Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you again for just the time of worship. Thank you, God, for bringing us through a whole year with 2016 around the corner. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness, for your graciousness, for your goodness to us. And thank you, Lord, for what David said, to the Lord belongs escapes from death. God, you have preserved our life. And today we come together to give thanks, to give praise for what you have done for us. And Lord, together we also want to pray for our church budget as been talked about earlier. We pray corporately, God, asking for your blessing and your provision. Thank you, Lord. You are the great shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. The name of the sermon today is called The Last Lap. The Last Lap. Um, how many people, when you go home, you have somebody in your family that is just so adamant about taking pictures? How many people have family members like that? There's usually about one of them, right? The firstborn, right? And uh, this person is just so adamant about taking pictures. I mean, it's like everyone's just about to go eat or do something. And someone's like, everyone, stay where you're at. We're taking a picture, right? And then when you are sitting there and you're holding that smile for as long as you can, they get out another camera from somewhere, I don't know where, and they begin to take more pictures. And then they put the camera on a timer and then they go sit down with you and take that picture, right? Then they exchange a few people and they continue to take pictures. How many people had any kind of experience like that this week? Okay, you know, I have somebody in my family like that. That's my sister. She loves to take pictures. She has different kinds of cameras. I have two cameras, and this is one of my cameras right here. It is my iPhone 5, okay? I've been told my iPhone 5 is outdated, okay? How many people here still have an iPhone 4? You guys are outdated. How many people have an iPhone 3? Not gonna say anything on that one. How many people have a flip phone? How many people don't have a cell phone? How many people still have a telephone that's connected to a wire into the ground or to the wall? How many people here don't have an email account? How many people know what an email is? <laughs> Raise your hand. Well, something's wrong with my iPhone 5. Um, I don't know when it just stopped working, but the front face or the back facing camera, the main camera with the flash on it does not work well. Um, and all the pictures come out very, very grainy. I mean, really bad. And so whenever I'm taking a picture, even though I try to focus, the camera is just not working well. I tried cleaning the screen, um, the glass part of it, still nothing. Um, the only part of my camera that has a good camera is in the front, the front-facing camera. And oftentimes, when I'm taking a picture, what I'll have to do is I'll have to turn the camera around and somehow guess that it's actually taking a good picture of people, right? 
And so when I'm taking a picture of, say, my dog or friends or family, whatever, I'll have to turn the camera around and I'll have to look and then take a picture. It's really bad. Um, whenever I try to film a video, like parts of the people will be missing from the video because I have to use the front-facing camera like this and take a picture. It's really bad. You know, cameras are very interesting things. They pick up on angles and perspectives that sometimes we don't pick up on. Um, a few months ago, there was an article that came out with about 26, 27 pictures whose angles really captured an unusual, let's just say, scene. I want you to pay attention to these different angles. And I want you to tell me what's unusual about this picture right here. What looks off in this picture? Okay, big you turn the stage light off. Okay, this stage light is it off? Okay, it's not off yet. Okay. Okay. What looks off in this picture? This girl looks like she has ten foot long arms. You guys notice that? That arm actually belongs to this kid right here. Okay? Very interesting. I want you to see this picture right here. What is unusual about this picture? Okay, tell me what looks off in this picture? This guy is not sitting on her back right now. That is actually part of her dress, okay? He's actually closer to the window, but the picture looks like he is riding her like a horse right now. <laughs> I want you to see this picture right here and tell me what looks off in this picture. The lady's got no foot. No, she's got a foot. This guy in the back is actually part of the family. He is not part of the picture. Do you see that? He's wearing a shirt or sweater that makes it look like he is actually part of this painting. But he is a real human being. Okay? How about this one? Yeah, he looks like he has a big back, right? It's just a bag on a chair in front of him. But he looks like he's got huge shoulders and a wide waist, okay? How about this one right here? It's actually a kid underneath here whose arm is coming out this way, but it looks like his arm is broken. Okay? And these shots were not taken in, they're not contrived shots. I mean, this is the way they turned out, okay? How about this one right here? It's a antediluvian bird, right? <laughs> right? It's about perspective and angles. Okay, how about this one? What's unusual about this picture here? Yeah, it looks like the little kid has an adult-sized head, but where is the head of the kid? 
It's actually like this. His head is right here, but the skin matches so well underneath that shade, you can't tell they're two separate heads right here, but the kid's head is right here. Okay? How about this one? That is not a dog woman fishing. That is a woman with red hair and her golden retriever is sticking out its head so it looks like there's a dog lady fishing. How about this one? I think this one's my favorite. Somebody took this picture I think in a train or an airplane, but the woman was sleeping, her head was laid back over here, the dog was alert, and it looks like it is one of the Egyptian gods, right? <laughs> and then there's this one. Anything strange about this one? It looks like his head is connected to her body. And she, he is actually hugging her, who seems to like have a man's body right here. Okay? And how about this one? That is not a fish with a human arm. That is actually a fish that was swimming by when uh, another scuba ever, uh, someone underneath the water, under the water was taking a picture. So it looks like the fish has an arm reaching out to the other fish. Right? Really strange when you look at pictures and sometimes they capture angles that are not meant to be. And then it changes the way the picture is supposed to look. You see, when you look at the story of Jesus being born, there are many different angles that are part of that picture or that scene. And different angles can produce different interpretations. I want everybody to take their Bible. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. And I want you to pick up on some interesting things. Luke chapter 2. Remember what I preached about earlier? Um, in the, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago. That the entirety of the Bible was pointing to the coming of the Messiah. You look at all the Old Testament, all the prophets. They were pointing forward to this great event. All the great miracles and the preservation. And so as we're, we're getting ready and closer for the Messiah's advent. We would be expecting it's going to be amazing. But when he actually shows up. The reader is caught off guard because he's supposed to be expecting something great, something powerful, something wonderful. But when he finally gets to the chapter in which Jesus is born, all of a sudden, it can be quite confusing. Take your Bible, go to Luke chapter 2, I want you to see verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, now notice this, who was with child. 
The first thing we see when we're taking a good look at this chapter is there seems to be rulers who are not listening to God. These are not um, Christian or Jewish rulers. These are pagan rulers and they seem to be controlling events. That's the first picture that's given to us. It looks like human beings are the ones who are adjusting and pulling the strings of life here. You have the most powerful man, Caesar Augustus, who calls for a census. So it seems that everyone in his empire has to do what this king says. But we continue reading. And we find out Joseph, with his betrothed wife, now has to go to Bethlehem. The Bible says she was with child. So you can imagine a series of inconveniences and trials seem to be part of this chapter. This does not look like the chapter you would say, the great king of kings is about to be born. This looks like the chapter in when it, it seems that there needs to be God working even more powerfully to change the situation. This is not the kind of thing we would imagine the Messiah should be coming into. But friends, what is so amazing is when God stepped into our world, He stepped into the reality that is our lives. Can you say amen to that? Let's continue. Verse 6. So it was that while they were there, the, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger... Because there was no room for them in the inn. And the Bible then tells us about these shepherds who would come and they would worship because the angel sent them there. Now what is so interesting, even though we have gone over this story in different parts and different ways, I want you to see verse 15. And so it was when the angels had gone away with them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those things which who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And verse 19 is key. But Mary kept all these things and what's that next phrase? Pondered them where? In her heart. By the way, you know what's very interesting? You find this phrase, Mary kept these things in her heart, one other place. The phrase, Mary thought about these things. Apparently after this unusual event of the shepherd showing up, Mary started thinking about what was going on. She said, wait a minute, there seems to be in the midst of all this bad news, this inconvenience, something quite unusual. The Bible also tells us at the age of 12, when Jesus went to Jerusalem, and begin to understand his messianic identity. That Mary found him in the midst of rabbis. In the midst of Pharisees and Sadducees. Teaching them. And the Bible says that Mary marveled at these things. And she thought about these things. By the way, do you want to know why we actually have records of what happened when Jesus was born and when he was 12 years old? The disciples weren't around at this time. Or if they were, they didn't know you know, what was going on simply because they were kids or not born yet. We know what took place because one woman actually took time to think about what was happening. 
Do you know who that was? Mary. You see, the way that the Gospels were written, they weren't just written because the disciples had all these great visions and, okay, this is what the life of Christ was like. The disciples actually went about interviewing and trying to piece together the story of Jesus. One of the reasons why we actually have a record of what Jesus, what took place when Jesus was born, because one woman actually took time not just to let this event pass, but to think about it. Are you tracking with me so far, yes or no? We know what happened when Jesus was 12 years old. Because one woman, Mary, his mother, actually took time to ponder what was going on. Friends, it's so easy to forget what God is up to when we don't take time to think about it. Amen? In fact, I was reading this article by New York Times, and it was talking about critique. That we as human beings were more, effect, were more affected by negative things than we are positive things. We remember more negative things than we do positive things. Physically, mentally, intellectually, you name it. We are more affected by bad news than good news. In fact, they were doing a study of the brain. And in this New York Times article, they showed that a person is more affected by losing $50 than actually gaining $50. I mean, it's just part of our sinful condition. We are more attracted to negativity. In fact, this article continuum stated that one of the professors of the university who was researching critique described that when most people who are, it's, it's, it's assumed that more people who are critical, it's, it's thought of that they're more intelligent. Oh, this person is critical, they must be intelligent. The more they critique, it must be because they're more smarter. I mean, it's so unusual the way that human beings think. Friends, the things that we store up most are the bad memories. We store up the bad things that happen to us. It's part of who we are as human beings in the condition because of our sinful nature that we remember every bad thing that took place, but every good thing, it's like, I don't remember what happened. The Bible even tells us that one sinner can destroy much good. You can hear a bunch of good news and yet have one bad news that will affect you. Are you tracked with me so far, yes or no? The reason I'm bringing this up is because Mary could have thought about all the bad things that were surrounding her life at that moment. She could have said, wait a minute, man, I was so upset at the fact that we had to go this place for the census here. I was so upset that there was no room in the inn. But the Bible doesn't state what she felt. Sure, these things provide a context, but the thing that she hones in on, and the things the Bible says that she actually uh, kept in her heart, and some translations say treasure in her heart, was when the shepherds came to worship Jesus. When Jesus spoke to Mary and said, must I not be about my father's business? She honed in on these things. Friends, we would be much more happier people if we learn to think and ponder upon what God has done for us. We can look back towards the end of 2015. We can think to ourselves, you know what? This, day, this year has been a year full of troubles, trials, inconveniences. You name it. 
But friends, I believe that God has worked in powerful ways in your life. You may not even realize it. The whole Christmas story is how God gift wraps the greatest gift He could in the most inconvenient, troublesome circumstances. And when it seems like your world is completely falling apart, it may be when God is up to some of the greatest things in your life. This is the perspective of faith. And so what we see in this story is Mary pondering, thinking, meditating upon what's going on. And as she does this, friends, we actually have these stories because she took time to think. And that to me is an amazing thing. Have you taken time to think about the good things God is doing in your life? Have you stopped to ponder and say, you know what? God has been up to great good in my life. Or are you doing as the rest of the world does, is just harboring, holding on to all the negative things and bad things. Friends, I want you to know something. Bad things happen, amen? Bad things just don't happen to good people, they happen to all people, right? I mean, it just happens. This is part of a sinful world that we live in. There is trouble abounding. By the time you probably walk out of this sanctuary, you'll hear some bad news. Before the Sabbath ends, I guarantee you'll probably hear some bad news. You may be hearing bad news right now on your phone. Hopefully you're not because you're paying attention to the good news. Amen? The world is full of bad news. You're going to be receiving bad news. No matter how good situations, is lined up, situations are lined up for you, you're going to hear bad news somewhere. It's going to come from somewhere. You turn on the TV, bad news. Turn on the phone, bad news. Turn on the internet, bad news. Talk to somebody, bad news. It is surrounding us. We are wearing bad news. Go ahead and feel it. That's bad news right there. It is part of our life, part of our world. And of all the things that Mary could have honed in on though, she specifically honed in on the great things God was doing in spite of the bad news. And we have these beautiful records that are given to us because she took time to think. You know, the Bible tells us something interesting in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 26. It says these words, Let your eyes look directly, what? Ahead. And let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Notice the next few words. Ponder. We've heard that word before, right? Ponder the path of your feet. In other words, look, think. Where am I at? What's going on? What's God up to? On all your ways, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. God wants us to pick up on what He's doing. And He wants us to think about the next few steps. Pondering is thinking about life and thinking, what is God up to? Friends, do you know what the word muse means? To muse on something? M-U-S-E. When you're musing on something. Who said that? Jan, you're right. It means to think about something. Now friends, what does amusement mean? 
amusement. It means to avoid thinking essentially. To do something to avoid thinking. Amusement. Amusing. It's, it's like, huh, huh, good feeling. I don't have to think. I can do something. I can watch something. Amusement. That's amusing. I don't have to think about the current situation. Friends, I want you to know something. I understand these things. But one thing God is calling us to do is to spend time musing. Musing upon what He's up to. Thinking, meditating, and saying, what is the Lord up to? What is the good things He's been doing in my life? And you will find your faith strengthened. You will find encouragement. And you will find a path laid out before your feet. Now, what's very interesting is, one of the ways we can ponder is this. How do we ponder? It's very interesting. The Bible tells us these wonderful words right here. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 32. But what? Call to what? Remembrance the former days in which you were illuminated. You endured a great fight of afflictions. The Bible says to take time to remember, to think. Over and over again in the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, there was this call to remember. By the way, did you know that throughout the entirety of the Old Testament and even parts of the New Testament, whenever a great transition was about to take place, there was a review of history. Right before Moses died, he reviewed history with the Israelites. Right before Joseph or right before Jacob died, he reviewed history. Right before Joshua was, you know, uh, done and he was going to go get his own. I'm running out of words today, but he was getting his um, settlement after the land was divided up. He recounted the history of Israel. Did you know right before Stephen was stoned? Do you know what Stephen does? Stephen's not just giving some great speech. In the book of Acts, what he does, he actually starts recounting history. Because in the Israelite culture, whenever a change was going to take place, God, through these men, would read the contract. He'd go over the wording. And so you see these great transitions happen. And God recalling, wanting the children of Israel to recall what had happened in their lives and in their experience. You know, Ellen White says something amazing right here. She says, the Lord has declared that the history of the past should be what? Or shall be what? Rehearsed as we enter upon the closing work. Friends. If I was to ask the question, how many of your children actually know about the origins of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, could they give an answer? And the reality is, most of us don't even know it either. I remember when I was taking classes at the college I was going to. I remember I came across church history classes... And when I went through that church history course, I was so excited about this church. For me, a whole new picture came into my mind about this remnant church movement. I began to realize something. Man, God has truly led. And we as a church need to go over this. And Ellen White says that the Lord has declared that the history of the past shall be rehearsed as we enter upon the closing work. In other words, as we get closer and closer to the end, we're going to understand more and more about the history of how God led our movement. Can you say amen to that? 
Notice what she says next. Every truth that he has given for these last days is to be proclaimed to the world. Every pillar that he has established is to be strengthened. We can now not, we cannot now step off the foundation that God has established. We cannot now enter into a new organization for this would mean apostasy from the truth. God is calling us to recall the history of the church, friends. And when we begin to recall the history of the church, we will have faith and confidence for the future. Can you say amen to that? Who is this individual? Does anybody know his name? James White. Is not his name. That is William Miller. William Miller was not a Seventh-day Adventist. He was a Baptist. And during the 1700s, and at the uh, beginning of the 1800s, this individual began to study out Bible prophecy. He began to study out the entirety of Scripture. And he was so blown away as he came across the books of Daniel and Revelation. And as he began to study out the books of Daniel and Revelation, he came across this startling prophecy. And by the way, did you know that Daniel was told that the book would be sealed until the end? In other words, the implication is that when the book of Daniel begins to be understood, we're living in the time of the end. Let's continue. And as he began to come across this powerful prophecy, the 2300-day prophecy, with precision and calculation, he began to go over this prophecy over and over again. He began to spend time in this prophecy. And as he began to go through it over and over again, he came to this inevitable conclusion, something big was about to take place in the 1800s. It eventually led him to a date or a year. And so he began to pray, Lord, do you want me to talk about it? All of a sudden he gets a knock at the door. And this kid wants to say, hey, we're from the other church. We're asking if you can come preach. And so he begins to be called to preach. And as he began to preach, uh, preach this message, you begin to have people from almost every single kind of denomination. We're talking Methodists, Episcopalian, Catholics, Baptists. They begin to come together. And they begin to hear this powerful prophecy how something big was about to take place. And friends, in the year 1844, when they thought something big was about to happen, Jesus could come back. He didn't show up. And a group, of, a group of people began to pray and say, wait a minute, the Bible is not off, the Bible can't be wrong, we need to look at it, our interpretation is wrong. They went back and they began to study this out. And when there were hundreds and thousands of people who were now ready for this 1844 year, they all left and they went back to where they came from. And just a few people remained saying, we need to follow God. He led us this far. And this great disappointment turned out to be the catalyst for what would become the Seventh-day Adventist church. And so a group of people began to pray. And they began to search and fast. These people studied the Bible out for weeks. And as they begin to come to conclusion after conclusion about what the scriptures were teaching, God was reopening these truths that were lost during the dark ages, during the middle ages. And soon this company began to grow. And in the year 1863, the Seventh-day Adventist church was officially formed. What is so amazing is this. That this church began to rapidly multiply. And we had missionaries poised in countries. Sunday laws were starting to take place. 
And it seemed like, man, this is exactly what the book of Matthew was talking about. And a message was born that was designed to lead the people closer and closer to Christ. But they rejected that message. And you know what took place? We've been wandering. We've been wandering. Ezra brought revival to Israel because he studied out the history of the Babylonian captivity. What led them into the Babylonian captivity? And he began to recognize these were the sins that led them. And he began to preach, God wants us to turn away from these things. Friends, let me make my point clear. When Israel, God's people, made Yahweh just another God, they became just another nation. You hear what I just said? When Yahweh became just another God, Israel became just another nation. And now there was a threat to this remnant movement that Jesus had been out of the picture. But now there was this call to bring Him back. But now there was also this rejection from within the church. And friends, it's not the water outside the boat that's dangerous. It's the water inside the boat. The greatest threat to the church didn't come from outside. It came from within. And so now the church was part of this wandering period. And here we are now, waiting and wondering, what's Jesus up to? But friends, God is still leading this church. Amen? And He was promising, He promised just as He did for Israel, that the unbelief would die off. And there would be a generation that would be able to come into the Holy Land. By the way, did you know when Joshua and Caleb are trying to instruct the children of Israel to enter the Holy Land? Do you know what they say? They say, be strong and of good courage. And the people rejected it. Years later, 40 years later, when the children of Israel were about to go into the Holy Land, and the unbelief had died off, Joshua was their age leader. Do you know what the Bible says in Joshua chapter 1? It says, the people turned to Joshua and they said, be strong and of good courage. You guys get that? In other words, instead of the leader now encouraging the people, these people were ready to go forward by the will and the way of the Lord. Now they were saying to Joshua, Joshua, now you've got to be strong. You've got to be courageous. And friends, if there ever is a time for us to speak courage and faith to each other, it is now. God is leading us. And here we are again at the borders of the land. And we learned just a few Sabbaths ago that strange movements are taking place that will bring about rapid end time events. But we don't even look to that. We look forward. We look in giving the message out to the whole world. And as we begin to do this, we're going to see more and more prophecy be fulfilled right before our very eyes. Friends, Jesus is coming soon. Can you say amen to that? And what is so amazing, you are part of Bible prophecy. You're saying, what? You are part of Bible prophecy. The Bible tells us in Joel chapter 2 that the Spirit of God would come upon the last days. And God's people would begin to gather up. And they would be able to preach and testify. We're told in Revelation chapter 12 verse 17. This would be the remnant. Who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. The gospel shall be preached in all the world. Then the end shall come. He was talking about you. This generation. And now here we are friends. Here we are. 
The church has been rapidly multiplying. I think there's about 20, 21 million Seventh-day Adventists in all the world. Great education system, great medical system, uh, healthcare, you name it. These things are rapidly multiplying. We're getting into pockets that were once blocked off. And God is leading us. But friends, we got to remember, God has brought us this far. Can you say amen to that? Samuel, before the children of Israel, said, he put out the Ebenezer stone, and he said, Hitherto the Lord has brought us thus far. God has brought us to this point. And he was telling the children of Israel, Now we've got to keep going forward, because God will lead us home. Amen? And now here we are. The series Seventh-day Adventist Church. 2016 is before us. A brand new year. There may be some in this group who may not see the end of 2016. But God calls you to be faithful and to go forward. The church exists for mission. And we cannot lose sight of that. When we lose sight of that idea, that understanding, the mission to give the message of Jesus Christ. When we lose sight of that, something else happens to church. It becomes something else. Friends, we've lost the reason for the church. God has done incredible things. Last few years, we have seen amazing things take place in our church. We've seen, um, I, I've been blown away lately by what the Sabbath keepers have been up to lately. Reaching out more and more. I've been just impressed how they're going out to the community and helping. Been impressed by the way our youth group is starting to become very active. Been seeing so many things happen with our school now. It's amazing. Community health outreaches that are taking place. People all over the community are learning about this church. And it's so powerful to see the work God is up to. Friends, but the work is not done yet. Amen? The work is not done yet. It's been awesome to see the Patterson Church Company begin to grow. It's been awesome to see people get baptized. And people hunger and thirst. Friends, I remember talking to George Johnson, the evangelism director. It was two camp meetings ago. And he was telling me about a church plant in some third world country. And as he was telling me about a church plant that was started, I'm thinking to myself, man, there's like a million Seventh-day Adventist churches in every other country besides America. What's the big deal? So as he began to tell me about this church plant that was started in this country, I thought to myself, there's so many churches there already. He began to talk and all of a sudden, he just began to cry. And I was staring at him, I thought to myself, why is he crying? And I realized something as I was looking at this old man that had been in the work of God. That every person saved, every church set up, everything done for the name of the Lord is one step closer for God, ending this problem of sin and suffering. Can you say amen to that? Friends, we ought to praise God in tears of joy as souls are being saved. We ought to thank God for the great work He's been doing. As we see this take place, we can never get to that place of becoming stagnant and say, Well, that's not the way I wanted it to be. God thinks way outside of our box. Amen? I have been so blown away when God says, You know what? Not using your plan today, or this month, or this year, now. God is up to some great things. And friends, this is where 
my journey with you ends. I'm taking a call, and so I will no longer be your pastor. And so three weeks from now, I will preach my last sermon here. The conference has given me a call. They want me to be involved in evangelism um, for Bakersfield to the Bay Area. And when I heard this, I said, nope, there's stuff that's going on here. We're right in the middle of different things. Yet I began to see God work. And this whole week I spent praying and struggling with God, pleading with God to let me stay. But I knew God was calling me. But I know that the Lord will continue to work and He will lead and guide this church. He has so many things in store, so many things that have been done and will continue to grow even after I'm gone. And it's been powerful to see this work happen. Friends, I want to encourage you that no matter what happens, that you stick it out. That you be faithful to the remnant church, that you go forward. Because God will continue to lead and guide. Over this last week, me being home, I spent time praying and pleading over this. And every time I felt God consistently speak to me that it's time for me to transition into this opportunity. But I have been so blessed being here. I have been so blessed and it has changed me, it has grown me. I have gray hair, I have 20 pounds heavier now. Still single, that's not going to change. But my heart has been changed by being in contact with you. And it's been amazing to see the great things that have happened to our church. And the things that have taken place. And I know God has amazing things and surprises this coming year. Next Sabbath I'll preach. Then the second Sabbath I'll be in Patterson. Then I'll preach my final Sabbath here um, in mid-January. I'll stay in Patterson till March to finish up the series there. But mid-January is where I officially begin. You don't worry about the next few steps. It's not the priority of this church to be concerned right now about who will be the next pastor. Your priority is to keep going forward. This church was never dependent upon pastors. Amen? But upon our great pastor, our great shepherd, Jesus. So I want to keep encouraging you. Here we are at the end of 2015. Praise God for what He's done. Praise God for what He's done this year, last few years, this church and our lives. We have so much to be thankful for. Samuel said, thus far the Lord has led us. God has brought us this far. And He will lead us to the very next things until Jesus returns. Jesus said these things to His disciples. He said, follow me. He said, follow me. We're called to follow Him. Not a person, not a man. We're called to follow Jesus. One day HMS Richards was preaching and he was this guy who had a lot of people who loved to hear him preach. And as he was preaching, halfway in the sermon he stops and he says, Friends, it's not about the messenger. 
It's about the message. It's about the message that is Jesus. And that's what it's about. We need to continue to go forward. Amen? Amen. Ellen White says these words, We have nothing to fear for the future. Amen? Except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and His teaching in our past history. We have nothing to fear unless we forget. Take time this day to think and praise God. Take time this week for 2015 ends to meditate, to ponder upon all the good that God has done for you, for our church, for our community. Amen. They ask that we bow our heads for a word of prayer and just ask that God would help us to finish this year well. Father in heaven, thank you so much for leading and guiding us. And Lord, thank you that you have brought me here to be part of this church the last seven years. And God, I, you went beyond my expectations. I thank you, Lord, for all the good that you have done here. It's all glory to you. Father in heaven, we pray that we'd continue to go forward in unity, in support. Pastor Ted will be the interim senior pastor. Lord, we pray for him, that we'd be able to support him and encourage him. God, and thank you, Lord, you will lead and guide the next few steps. May we be able to that calling. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.